And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. We are live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todders, and his name is Aaron McIntyre. You guys look different today. You look normal today. I don't pre- know what you're talking about. Indeed. I, I, I appreciate you guys humoring me yesterday. I know, Todd, that you were the most enthusiastic about yesterday's reverie. It was entirely your idea. That's definitely not true. Yeah. And I, I mean, other than the part that you've threatened to quit and walk out, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Looked like Kurt Russell from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes. Really did. Yeah. It, I, I mean, Aaron, your fro was prodigious. It was phenomenal. And got a lot of comments from people. Enjoyed it. Uh, particularly enjoyed that we said nothing about it the entire time. We just went on about our business, kept a straight face, you know. That's how I got through it. I just pretended it wasn't real. <laughs> That's how a lot of people in the United States are getting through life right now. Who had the worst one, do you think? Who wore the worst one yesterday? I think it's mine. I mean, it's hard to tell if I had a mullet or if I had like an an Amish wife, you know, get up. It was hard to tell what that was. Someone came in here, you you were mentioning, Aaron, someone came in here after the show yesterday and while I was eating my lunch, I had someone came in here to give me a business proposal. And I just left this thing on all, all day long and didn't even realize it most of the time. Um, so, Aaron, you look over here. One of the most bizarre things <laughs> I've ever seen. Aaron looks over here. It was like a pretty serious business proposal to yes. Ernest. Yes. And, and I'm sitting here wearing that wig. <laughs> And I mean, I'm paying attention and stuff, and I'm listening to what he has to say, but I'm wearing that ridiculous wig. And Aaron's like, what is going on over there? So it's uh, it's it's good every now and then uh, to um, not take yourselves too seriously, particularly as you are living in uh, the decline and fall of the American empire. It, uh, you know, take a few days to, uh, you know, to remember the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Right. And so that was fun yesterday in and around some uh, serious subject matter. And now the clock turns and you guys know what you guys know yeah. what today is now. It's something way worse than having to wear those wigs. And now, officially, for the first time in 2023. No, not officially. Merry Christmas. Totally fake. This is why we used to have inquisitions to stop this nonsense. (laughs) My teenage son, who's got more hair on his legs than me, a deeper voice than I do, and has really been working out in the gym, man. When he comes down the stairs, first thing he says to me this morning, comes downstairs to warm up his car to go to school. And he looks at me and goes, what radio stations are playing the Christmas music? And I thought, I got a tear in my eye, a lump in the throat. I thought, I raised that boy right. I raised that boy right. And I looked at him and I said, you're a man now. You're ready. You know what? My That was a big moment. A big moment happened in the kitchen of the Dace Homestead this morning. Absolutely. You know what my favorite thing about all this is? Is Talking the, about Ron DeSantis' boots? Is that... Uh, that would add important context. No, it's that you, you love... You just... You wrote a book, a children's book. You, you love the Puritans. I, I do. That's not, yeah. But when it, when it came to Christmas, 
They were Bill Belichick. It's just December 25th. It's no better than December 24th or December 26th. Just do your job December 25th. Christmas isn't special. They were full on like that. You love them. You put the fun and fundamentalists on this front, but when it comes to Christmas, yes. you're Will Ferrell from Elf. I have a song. I have to sing about yes. it. It's yes. every day. Yes. This is, this is chaos. None of it makes any sense. I love the Puritans, man, but Thanksgiving's a day. It's not now a talk season. About Thanksgiving. They thought this about Christmas. I know. Well, nobody's perfect. We all <laughs> have our crosses to bear. Shade now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sure, they found it in the country. But whatevs. But hey, the fact that they thought it was nothing but pagan revelry, you lost me. All right? And I'm going to have fun pretending to be a snowman. Thank you. All right? <laughs> Yes. You know, that's a great segue since you brought it up, Todd. Thank you very much. We have um, a few hundred copies of this from last year's printing left, and I decided to autograph them uh, and uh, to get rid of what's left. And it's uh, I'm very proud of it. It's so and the publisher was so proud. Actually, we're going to turn this into a trilogy of books. Uh, the next one, Why Easter, comes out next uh, spring. You'll hear more about that then. But uh, last year we unveiled Why Thanksgiving. The pilgrims started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America, because they loved God. And uh, this was very successful last year. If you want to make sure you get this book uh, before uh, Thanksgiving uh, to guarantee delivery, um, maybe that's not important to you. We actually sold almost as many of these before Christmas as we did before Thanksgiving last year. So people are also looking at these as a Christmas book. But if you want an auto, a special autographed edition of Why Thanksgiving, you can go to whythanksgiving.com right now and order it. Whythanksgiving.com is where you want to go uh, for a special autographed edition of uh, my first children's book. And the second one comes out next year. Whythanksgiving.com. All right. Um, coming up on today's show... I'll tell you about that after I remind you, because I think Todd may need one of these after what I put him through over the last 48 hours between, uh, I mean, you need a glass of wine. I mean, but between making you wear that wig yesterday and then wishing the you a merry month of November. Yes. Wishing you a Merry Christmas on November the 1st. <laughs> All right. Um, you want to try our friends at Bonner Private Wines. Todd will be trying it um, shortly. In fact, maybe even during the break. As a matter of fact, uh, they've got, in, in fact, they've got a, a special batch that sells out every time it's released. It's called the, the Sunai Elogico. It's a Malbec, uh, never before did, never before imported gem from deep in the Kalaki Valley of Argentina. That's a vineyard at the breathtaking altitudes of nearly 9,000 feet. That's the third highest vineyard in the world. What does that mean? Uh, it means it's highly rated at 91 points. There's no fining or, uh, or, or filtration done when producing the Sunai, and that preserves its true natural taste, and it helps uh, also to boast a staggering 10 times more resveratrol with 93% less sugar than the red wines you buy in stores. All right, Bonner Private Wines is the sole importer of this amazing Malbec. You can get a bottle of this exclusive wine by visiting BonnerPrivateWines.com and becoming a member of their partnership at ActFast. This one sells out fast every time, so you don't want to miss your chance. If you visit BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve, you'll not only get other wines for over 50% off, but also free shipping. Can't beat it. BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. All right, beginning at the bottom of the hour, we will play Buy, Sell, or Hold. Next hour, we'll be joined by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. But first, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by Intel Lapses. FBI Director Chris Wray told the Senate yesterday he's concerned about lapses in intel on terrorists in the United States. It is a time to be concerned. Uh, we are in a dangerous period. So is the FBI able to track all threats and prevent these individuals from conducting an attack on U.S. soil? I couldn't say that we were able to detect all individuals. Um, the, the people that we know about, as Secretary Rumsfeld uh, used to say, the known known, we're quite good at together with our partners. But it is the unknown unknown uh, that I worry about quite a bit. Learning Fetterman today, today's phrase is maybe you could secure the border. Could crypto exist? In other words, is, you know, where should it exist? Like, you know, why should it endure? Donald Trump is already planting the seeds that the Iowa caucuses will be stolen from him. In another video from the basement of Mar-a-Lago, Trump doesn't sound too confident about how Iowa will shake out. Appreciate it. The most important thing you can do for our campaign is to lock in your 10 for Trump and turn them out for caucuses. Teach them how to caucus. Take them in your car on caucus night. If you have to uh, do whatever is necessary, we got to get them in. We got to make America great again. So do whatever it takes. If you do, we will win and win big. And that's what you have to do. You know, the other side does cheat and we're not going to let that happen. According to the UK Daily Mail, U.S. taxpayer money was used to experiment with coronaviruses from the Chinese lab thought to be the source of the COVID pandemic more than a year before the global outbreak. The National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, under Dr. Anthony Fauci's leadership, infected 12 Egyptian fruit bats with a SARS-like virus called WIV-1 at a lab in Montana in 2018. The WIV-1 coronavirus was shipped from the Wuhan lab the FBI believes caused the COVID pandemic and was tested on bats acquired from a roadside Maryland zoo. Meanwhile, in the UK, British police arrested a man who posted a video of himself on Facebook criticizing pro-Hamas rallies in the country. No. You do not attend any events involved in Palestine, OK? The reasons why we took it is on the 17th and 10th of 2023 on Bethel Green Road at 10 4 you, you witnessed saying obviously people why, why are they over here etc we let them into our country etc so fuck okay. you yeah okay so fuck so you find you on the television say that take him disgusting he's a disgusting and finally the greatest halloween costume of all time you be the judge for those of you listening we see a kid dressed up like joe biden being led around by his handlers and stumbling up the front steps of a house <laughs> mr president mr president please please it's one step mr president yes good job and that's what happened while we were away. That, that's absolutely incredible. I watched that like 70 times last night. I couldn't stop. I mean, that is... Those kids are in. Those parents should be yeah. very proud. Those young men are going somewhere. Unlike, absolutely. Unlike the cops who are roughly the same age in Britain, who have apparently never heard of George Orwell or don't care. My goodness, the difference there. One is understands there's a good laugh of this. We're going to mock it mercilessly. The other one, no, I, I'm happy to be the joke. I'll be the punchline. Pathetic. Anyway, that was a really fun Halloween costume. I, I've given up on, on any form of 
justice or anything. I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't see outside of people in an audience like this. I just don't think people care. I, I don't. So take the laugh track when you can get it. And that Halloween costume was incredible and maybe the best Halloween costume I've ever seen. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure. If you've got odors in the home that you just can't get rid of, now you can get rid of any stinky odor with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier because it doesn't freshen the air. It purifies it. It gets rid of what's actually causing those odors, whether it's cooking, cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans, even that mildew smell from basements. No match for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. We just read yesterday on the show another incredible endorsement from our audience. Uh, people that have used this product and have absolutely raved about it, as have so many. That's why they have so many five-star reviews online as well. Right now, you can get uh, the three-pack for whole home protection for under 200 bucks, plus free shipping, plus free shipping. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com, use the discount code STEVE. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code STEVE. I want to start actually with the, because um, I was actually going to go here anyway until you brought it up, but I, I want to start with the Montana lab experiments that were uncovered yesterday that Aaron highlighted in his montage. I don't know how else to put this. I mean, I really don't. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it bluntly there absolutely ought to be hangings for this absolutely we should see heads swinging from trees for this after a, after a fair trial of course but in any previous era of the west we would be doing we would be doing the show calling for there to be trials to avoid lynch mobs, posses, vigilante justices. People just say, oh, hell no. My family business that fed our family for generations is gone because of blank. My grandpa died alone because of blank. My mom died alone because of blank. My friend couldn't get to their celebrate recovery group and committed suicide because of blank. In any previous era, we would, we'd have to, you know, use one of Todd's favorite historical analogies on the program. We'd have to be John Adams defending the Redcoats after the Boston Massacre to make sure that all righteousness was fulfilled, that there is still a justice system that, as you know, a biblical worldview doesn't trust the passions of the people because people are sinners. It's just right now all the passion is on one side, so it seems as if a biblical worldview only holds one particular side accountable, right? But the reality is the Bible describes itself as a double-edged sword. That's not true at all. That's why it's called a narrow road, (laughs) all right? And in any other era, 
the temptation would be to instantly, without any law and order, just take the law into your own hands, given the generational damage that has been done. Everything that is going on in our country right now, and I mean everything, absolutely everything. Well, Steve, the Hamas attack in in Israel. Well, prior to COVID, Donald Trump was president and signing Abrahamic Accords. Weren't any Israeli 9-11s in the last administration, were there? Everything. Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything either has its origins in COVID or was a pre-existing problem like the border that COVID then exacerbated. Everything. Was, was debt a problem before COVID? Yes. Were presidents, including Trump, by the way, spending too much money before COVID? Yes. Yes. Then what happened with COVID? Ours went up to 27 now, actually, Mr. Spinal Tap. We went past 11, way past, and printed 80% of all dollars ever in circulation in the history of this country. Everything. Everything that on a macro level was existentially threatening us, both as a culture and then on a micro level, us just as households, has its origins either in COVID or was greatly exacerbated and amplified by COVID. Everything. You will not be able to find me an issue where this is not the case. Because even if it's something that's not tied whatsoever to COVID or the policies that ensued thereafter, COVID permitted the people that want to do those things to us to gain power. So there's nothing. You will find nothing. Steve, why can't you let it go? This is why I can't let it go. Because everything goes back to that. That's why I cannot let it go. And I won't. But I know a lot of you will and already have. And in any other previous era, the temptation would have been to instantaneously and viciously overreact before people had a chance to mount their defense, before the other side had a chance to be heard. But that's not this era. No. In this era, in this last election cycle we just had, everybody that did this to us that was on the ballot was just put right back in office. Everybody was. Everybody. And if my polls are correct, we're prepared to just run everybody back for office again next year that did this to us before. That's not the era in which we live. No one has an exclusive claim on a biblical worldview. The right tends to align with it more often because by nature, if your goal is to conserve that which is both true, good, and beautiful for human, for human flourishing, more often than not, you're going to line up with a biblical worldview where those things are concerned because who created humans? God. And therefore, who has the most vested interest in human flourishing? Uh, God does. 
but understand we're usually the impediment to our own flourishing because of our own sinfulness. And that has to be addressed first and foremost. But no one has an exclusive claim on this. No one does. I mean, there are, there are people right now who tried to get me fired from my job years ago because I wouldn't get on board with Mitt Romney to save America. Because he was essentially in violation of every major tenet of a biblical worldview. He just called himself a Republican. Why would I support what I'm against just because there's a different brand name attached to it? And they want the Democrats. To, I agree. I agree. I don't want the Democrats to win. That's why I'm not going to vote for one who's invading the other party. I mean, why would I? Why would I vote for? Um, why would I vote for a Democrat just because they call themselves a Republican? But the time in which we are in right now. The American left has essentially abandoned every fundamental, the Western left essentially, has abandoned really any fundamental of of human flourishing and civil society, which is why a conversation yesterday between Joe Rogan and Elon Musk sounds like the Council of Nicaea, guys. This is why. This is why. Because they're not insane. They're not one of us, but they're not insane. This is why. This is why Bill Maher is having more conversations with people like Candace Owens than the on-air staff at MSNBC or CNN. He's not one of us. He's just not insane. Just not insane. But we don't have those impulses anymore as a people. We don't. And, and so we have gone in this era from having to hold back zealotry, interning people who look like the people who bombed us on Pearl Harbor, stuff like that. that, that we have to go back from holding those instincts now and say, no, you don't get to do that to people made in the image of God just because you suspect something that you cannot prove. That's not a biblical worldview. We're not here to demean human dignity. We're not here to, 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 we're not here to do that. No is the answer. Those, have been, those would have been positions a biblical worldview would have called for in a different era. But now we're in an era where we've abandoned all first things whatsoever. And so now a biblical worldview is like, so are we going to do like any justice here at all? Like, is anybody going to pay for anything at all? And it appears the answer is no. You want to hear something that'll really depress you if I haven't already? Let me share something with you. I've known for a few months that I just haven't told you, but today may be the day. I heard from some little birdies, both uh, some little birdies in the DeSantis campaign when they have done focus groups and brought up COVID people's eyes just roll over. 
understand they're talking to Republican primary voters here. They're not talking to your normie neighbor who went from putting an Obama sign to a Trump sign to a Biden sign in their yard. That's not who they're talking to. They're talking to Republican primary voters and people who've just moved on. We've just moved on. So since we've just moved on, our enemies are moving ahead. Undeterred, unfazed. It's what you said yesterday, Aaron. They do this stuff to Trump, not because they fear him, but because they don't. They fear no backlash. They're in New York right now. They're trying to take the entire family fortunes that Trump, that the Trump, that, that Trump has built over the last five decades and just strip it away. Just take it away just because they can. No fear. No fear that voters will say you can't do that to a private citizen. That's not fair. They don't care. They, they just don't care. They don't care. Biden is already telling the new speaker, well, I'll just veto you separate Israeli funding from Ukrainian funding. I'll just veto that because you don't have calling his bluff. We all know none of you have a balls for a government shutdown. So what are we even doing here? Placate your base and, and grandstand to them on your own time. Not happening. You want to show me you've got the balls to shut the government down and then we'll talk. We all know they won't. Maybe they will, but that would be a stunning. If you came in, if you came in tomorrow and found out, hey, we're going to have a government shutdown. Republicans are going to the mattresses. Would you be would you be shocked? Yes. I'd be stunned. Absolutely stunned. There's no fear. None. They they can do whatever they want to you now. Colorado is going to have trials now right now with an Obama appointed judge and no jury who's an act blue donor who's going to decide whether Donald Trump can get on the ballot next year or not. If only if only someone with a large platform had predicted that this would occur. But can you think of anybody that did such a thing that these were questions were going to be brought up and debated and asked? Greek to me. I've never heard. I can't think of anybody that brought these things up. Can you Todd? That's we're all just totally blindsided by this. Here we are. There is no fear of God and therefore none of us. Politicians and systems only do the right thing for two reasons. Conviction and through history, have you been able to count on that a lot? No. No. So therefore you need checks and balances, right? And in our system, that check and balance is either a fear of God or a fear of man. And right now, the system has neither one. But it's okay, because we just want to move on. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, you know what I think about that. I just have one quick question here on another matter in the montage. Is Trump, in fact, ahead by 50 points, or is he so within the margin of cheating that he's going to lose the Iowa caucus? Which one is it, Steve? I'm sorry. I, I, Tell me about cowboy boots. I've been so obsessed better. with Ron DeSantis's boots. Yes. I've, I've not had time to truly study the data. This and, is why, and, I, and how tall Ron DeSantis claimed he was on his uh, on his naval enlistment uh, sheet. Yes, this is why I asked you the question a couple of days ago about you know the Iowa caucuses and Trump versus DeSantis, and I, I just I I understood your point about what Trump has done. Uh, in the past, but l- l- this is just a, I have to double down. Like, yeah, th- th- this is exactly what the Iowa caucus 
that voters are known for separating the wheat from the traffic uh, nonsense like this. I, I, anointing Donald Trump when, when this is what he's feeding you up, would, it, it would go against the longstanding character of the Iowa caucus Republican voter. It just would. So they're being weighed and measured right now, just like everybody else. As you were discussing this, uh, the, the latter part of your monologue there, Steve, I'm reminded of the most poignant scene of Nefarious, in my opinion, where Nefarious just right in James's face explains and makes the analog between ancient child sacrifice and abortion. Mm-hmm. You can't hear the child screams nowadays. It's all done. It's all medicalized. It's all sterilized. At the end of that scene, and it's a creepy scene, what's, uh, what's James's reaction? Shrug, rolls his eyes. No, no. We should all be James right now, horrified. But no, we're just shrugging our shoulders, moving on to the next thing. I, there's a guest on Bill Maher's show. Uh, this last weekend, a professor at uh, New York University who was on his child's school board, and he said, you know what, I wanted stronger lockdown policies towards the end of, of 2020 and 2021, but I was wrong. I think we need to have some grace, though. You didn't learn a damn lesson, and you won't, because it won't be made to learn. You won't be made to learn. Nobody has to. So nobody will. By the way, just got a text about another proud daddy moment. My mother-in-law just texted me that uh, my youngest daughter, Zoe, went to her this morning and said, hey, are you putting your Christmas decorations up today? I'm telling you. Sometimes as a dad, you wonder. And you've been there too. Aaron, you'll get there if you're not there yet. As the years go by, you wonder and you ask yourself, are they even paying attention? Am I making a difference here? And there's a lot of nights that you doubt that you are, frankly, as a parent. But then there are those moments, you know, your could be your daughter gets a double division one scholarship offer. You've been through stuff like that. Wow. Did you really just do that? And then there are moments when on the same day, I don't even have to bring up Anna. Because Anna's been listening to Christmas music since, uh, you know, July 4th weekend. So I don't, I don't, I know where she's at because she's basically Steve Jr. So I know where she is. Okay. But with the other two, sometimes, you know, because you also wonder, do I get softer as a parent, you know, where I'm too easy on the younger kids as more, as more kids come along. And I just, I want to share with America. The pride that I am feeling right now, this morning, to have both of my younger children on November 1, like that, the brain triggers, the calendar flips, and they know. They know Christmas time has come again. And I just, I'm very thankful for this moment. It's one of the most affirming moments I've ever had as a parent. 
granted my standards are very low, but I've exceeded them. And that's really all you can ever ask for. And I just, uh, Todd, are you just blocking this out at this point? Why haven't you shot him? You just compared. Why haven't you shot? You just compared. Why don't you shoot somebody over Christmas? I'm writing my own Christmas album in my head right now. It's the most insufferable time <laughs> of the year. I'm, I mean, straight up, man. I'm just like, it worked. They were listening. I did my thing. And they, now, you know, Zoe's an adult. Noah's almost there. I've done my job and they belong to the world now. You know, go off and make your mark. Now that we all know and recognize when Christmas starts. Buy, sell, or hold brought to you by our friends over at Tyga Coolers. And I got a note from Stephen with a PH. Wanted to say thank you and your team for not only everything you guys do for the country, but for the awesome advertisers you guys have on your program. I've used several of those products, but I wanted to specifically call out Tyga Coolers. I needed a cooler that would keep things cold all weekend long. He sent this back in September. I've been holding on to it, waiting to brag on Tyga. Um, all weekend while flying my hang glider at a small airfield south of Houston. I didn't want to spend a fortune. I wanted a good quality cooler, one made here in the USA. Needless to say, it's ridiculously hot in September in Texas. Hard to keep things cold, but that Tyga cooler did an admirable job. They also made some awesome customization options for me, including my family crest. And he sent me a picture. First of all, dude, you're, you're doing hang gliding and you have a family crest. I want to know your thoughts on Ron DeSantis' cowboy boots. All right, you are qualified to answer this question. <laughs> dude is doing hang gliding and um, has a family crest. How many employees? I don't even ask. How many employees do you have, Stephen? All right. I mean, that's just phenomenal. All right. Uh, and he sent me a picture of it. It's very cool. So that's very cool, Stephen. We love when our when our listeners brag on our partners. That's the marriage we're trying to put together. So if you want to get one of these awesome coolers, American made, lifetime warranty. It's still tailgate season in parts of the country right now. Make great gifts for Christmas too. Uh, and you can customize those with your own family crest or whatever else you'd like to put on there. All right, go to tigacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A, for tigacoolers.com, discount code Steve to get 10% off. Discount code Steve for 10% off at tigacoolers.com. Let's get to it. Buy, sell, or hold. And once per episode, you are permitted to choose hold. No, you're not. You're not permitted to choose a hold at all because it's punking out. So if you do hold and don't take a position, you have to go trick-or-treating with Lindsey Graham next year. You and Lindsey, alone in the dark. What's Lindsey Graham's definition of trick-or-treating? Do we want to find that out? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But Erzin, you will and you shall. If you invoke hold one time here between now and 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 twelve thirty central time, I will not. 
All right, let's go. Speaking of Lindsey Graham, we begin with James Miller. Lindsey Graham will call for a ceasefire in Israel and Ukraine before Steve is invited to speak at CPAC. That's a great way to start it off. I don't don't think so. I have to tell you, please explain to me, by the way, I am still pulling out pieces of hair from my glasses, from my brushes, from my computer. And all righteousness from, from, is fulfilled. From that, from that wig. It's more annoying than the Easter grass, the amount of shedding. Uh, I've not seen anything shed like that since the COVID vaccine. Oh, oh, there it is. He's here all week. Try the pudding. Indeed. Yes. Except Mr. Biden's already eaten it all. Anyway, where were we? Um, the people who are calling for the ceasefire in Gaza, but more fire in Ukraine. Can you help me understand this? And someone tried to reverse it on me today. Well, this is like saying you want a uh, you're calling for a ceasefire in Ukraine and not wanting more fire and more fire in Gaza. Have we ever called for a ceasefire in Ukraine? I've never called for that. I don't care if the Ukrainians fight to the death for their country. That's a them. They, they're welcome to do so. OK. Um, I, my issue is why am I cutting them checks to do that? What is my vested interest here? None would be the answer. None. Israel actually is a strategic ally, but I'm totally fine with totally fine with giving them nothing too. I, I could make an argument they'd be a more they'd they'd more effectively devastate Hamas without us yeah. uh, chiming in and feeling like we had a claim as Big Brother to tell them what to do. But that's a side topic there. But I loved that we started off with this, and it's an absolute buy. You bet. Next, Nate says Christmas is better than pumpkin spice. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. That's not even debatable. I mean, Christmas is the second most important event in all of human history. The first being the resurrection of Christ. The, the, The second would be the coming of Christ. So absolutely, God himself directly imposing his will into human history by putting him in, in, in an unforeseen un, or unprecedented way by putting himself into human form, fully God and fully man. So, I mean, the only thing better than that is that is that fully man, Jesus Christ, proving that he was fully God by rolling the stone away and walking out of that tomb alive. And the only thing that will exceed either one of those events will be, will be when he returns to settle accounts. So, amen. Pumpkin spice is one of the great things of this world. When we start talking about the stuff of Christmas and and Easter, we're talking about things that transcend this world. Although I will say, I did get a prophetic word that there will be pumpkin spice served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it stop. All the pumpkin spice you want, in fact. And it stop. That might be, is that maybe the best apologetic argument for becoming a Christian? Not y- y- endless pumpkin spice at the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you convert now. <sighs> I just want, for the record, it is actually All Saints Day today, and the level of patience and decorum I'm showing in suffering through this is, <laughs> I might earn my sainthood today. <laughs> You know, I'm feeling a strange new respect for Washington Post. They came out with a story recently about uh, the checkered and violent history of pumpkin spice. Buy, sell, or hold. Oh, buy. I'm into it all the more now. Are you, if you're going to tell me that pumpkin spice's roots are in colonization, I'm in. 
<laughs> Colonization's been pretty good for this planet. Yeah. Media matters right now. He just said that. Yes. <laughs> yes. At least make it as long as the Ryan Walters piece. That's all I'm asking. Yes. Yeah. And use an updated picture. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Judy, Anna, kind of going back to what we were talking about last segment. Most people are so over 2020. They don't care to endlessly rehash the election. Good. But they're also ashamed of their lack of courage during the COVID-19 BS and want to put that all behind them. Not good. 2024's winner needs a vision for the future, not the past. I completely agree. 100%. There are, there are three reasons that... that um, the, well, four. There are four reasons I made the decision to endorse Ron DeSantis. Number one is that I live in Iowa. And so the idea, I'm going to vote before most of you will, the idea that I'm going to have all this playing out right here down the street from where I live and, and just be, um, I'm detached from the process. I don't know anything. I'm just a neutral observer here. I, I, that's just, a, it's an insult to my intelligence and certainly yours. Okay, so I'm just not going to do that. That's number one. Uh, number two is, is uh, he's the most, Ron DeSantis is the most effective leader. Now, I admit, this is a low bar, okay? But, I mean, he's, like, cleared it, well, when he was still called Bruce Jenner. Okay? That level of clearance of said bar. He is the most effective leader I've ever seen on the right in this century. Number three is what you just articulated. What's, what's the lady's name there? I want to make sure I get it right. Judiana. Judiana, what you articulated there is number three. We have to win, and I don't think a message about the past will do it. And then number four... Is, is even if I could, even if I was able to overlook all the mistakes made that Trump made in 2020, and if he had shown even the least bit of remorse or self-awareness about them, I might have been able to, given everything he accomplished prior to that year. I honestly don't believe they're going to let him, let us vote for him. I don't. I just don't. I think you're watching his destruction and assassination take place. And and they're going to wage this if he's the nominee at the same time he's running for president so that all he's talking about is himself and the past and never talking about the future. How did Trump get elected the first time and defy the odds by talking about the past? Is that what he did? No. He was talking about the future. Make America great again. Now we're just going to relitigate the past. And, and some of that for certain is not his fault. It, it's unavoidable not to talk about the past when they're trying to take everything you worked for forget as a presidential candidate as a private citizen and take it away from you i mean how desperate is the situation that the trump children are going to go testify because they're 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 literally trying to strip mine that family for daring to stand with people like you and i mean i i if they're doing that now in 2023 if he's the nominee what are they doing next year i i i just don't think they'll let him vote with a little less vote for him i just don't that's the fourth reason. Now, if, if, if that all being said, if Ron DeSantis wasn't the most effective leader I've ever seen on the right, then I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be saying the same thing, but then I'd be saying, I guess, guys, we got to do whatever we can to not let them get away with that. But I have an option, and he's proven to be a, a dramatically superior leader to Trump. And the events of 2020 are the great proof of this. I mean, at that moment, facing the first real crisis of his presidency, Trump puckered. And facing the first real crisis of his administration, you saw Ron DeSantis rise to the occasion.
Correct. Next up, kind of along those lines, Hee Haw the Viking says, uh, the person clapping in the audience during the Bill Maher segment with Scott Galloway, that's who I was referencing at the end of last segment, uh, saying he was on his uh, school, kid's school board, wanted harsher lockdowns, saying he was wrong, but there needs to be grace. Uh, the person clapping in the audience, uh, the one clapping so hard they were bruising their hands, represents our neighbors, teachers, coworkers, etc., that are all too cowardly to ask for forgiveness themselves. And there I- was a lot of clapping for this guy i will buy i will and i think i think this is again the whole convert really you know years ago the big divide on the right was and when i say divide i'm talking people who are intellectually serious okay and i'm not talking about people who have proven to be um monetarily serious I'm talking about people who have proven to be intellectually serious. The The big divide was how much, how much like the left can we become to defeat them, right? Those were a lot of the meta existential conversations we had in 2016, 2017 until Kavanaugh, right? And when I say we, I'm talking in this case, I'm not talking about the right. I'm talking about the right was having that conversation, but we were kind of aligned maybe more with the, you know, we still have to, let me rephrase that. I was. Uh, still very much aligned with the, you know, we have to maintain some level of decorum here. Otherwise, we're going to lose the whole damn country. And the the initial salvo against me rethinking that, you know, I was even warning at the time, remember, on the show about the Kurt Schlichtering of the American right. Well, now he's been on our show like three times. All right. And the event that did that for me was the Kavanaugh story. And, and, and what really did it to me, did that to me was, or the reason that did that for me is he's not one of us at all. I think when he was nominated by Trump, I called him Carl Rove in a black robe at the time, right? It was a terrible nominee. And so that if they're willing to do this now to, to that kind of Republican, then we're beyond uniparty now. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what Lindsey Graham was so pissed off about during those hearings, if you remember. Right. Hey, I thought, basically, Lindsey was saying, I thought this was a uniparty. We didn't, we didn't put up the kind of nominee that, you, that the base wanted. We gave, you, we gave you Karl Rove in a black robe. We gave you the guy that actually wrote the blueprint to help John Roberts save Obamacare, and you're going to treat him like Clarence Thomas? That's not the way this is supposed to work, right? If, if, but since, since it was clear now that we're, not, we're even beyond the self-enforcing mechanism of a uniparty of elites who will keep some form of normal because everybody's making so much money. And now it's Viva la Revolution. It's just color revolutions daily. If, if that's the case, then, well, then I can't hold that position any longer because now I'm the guy quoting laws to the person who just invaded my home when I should be shooting them. You see what I'm saying? And, and, so, and then the Mueller letter came out the March right after that where Bill Barr basically essentially confirmed everything Mark Levin and Dan Bongino were saying from the very beginning about this being a scam. And that was the last straw for me, where it's like, okay, all right then, I guess it's on. War then it is. I'm just not eager to declare war. I'm, I, I, I will fight one if I have to, but I'm not eager to go out and find one because there is collateral damage to it, and we're seeing that now. So we have to be very careful. But ultimately, you know, um, we can't be passive in the, in, the, in the face of this level of demonic behavior. Which brings me to what the new debate on the right is. And I want to talk about that here when we come back and we'll continue by Summit Hold.
All right, back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He's Todd Erzin. And you are you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, Me, We, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And don't forget the last name is D-E-A-C-E. You can also, if you like it, leave us a five-star review on where you podcast the show from if you're a podcast listener. Thank you to those of you who are. You're a, a big part of the program. Again, for those of you that have been asking, we're, we we got struck on YouTube again. I, I think we might have just given up on it, frankly. We're posting the show in its entirety on, on Twitter now. And Instead getting more of, views than we were on YouTube. Yes, and getting more views than we were getting on YouTube. So there's that. All right. But if you love the podcast version, please leave us a five-star review. Thanks to all of you who have. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow if you're on iTunes. And that way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. This portion of the show is brought to you by our partners over at Relief Factor. If you are struggling with pain especially of the chronic variety. This can come uh, from too much inflammation uh, in your joints. As we get older, we can still stay active. We can still keep in shape, even lose weight, but our joints don't necessarily get younger because, you know, these mortal coils that we're in aren't meant to last forever. So time eventually comes for us all. If there is a drug-free way for you to treat your pain, take full advantage of it. There may not be, but we think there's a 70% chance relief factor is that way. Why 70%? Well, because over the years, 70% of the people that have tried the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks have seen such successful results that they stick around long-term. So why not see if that's you? Go to relieffactor.com. What do you got to lose for just 20 bucks? Relieffactor.com or call them at 800, the number four relief, 800, the number four relief. All right. So let me finish the point as I lost track of the clock. So don't leave that participle dangling out there. So a few years ago, the big argument on the right was how much like the left or how much how vicious can we get? How many social norms can we violate in order to defeat the left? Right. And I've I've, in response to facts on the ground, I made an evolution. And, you know, over the course from the from 2016 to 20 to 2018, I made a significant evolution where that was concerned. I've made a significant evolution on the next question um, that that is now kind of the big thought bubble question on the right for people who are intellectually serious and honest. And that that question is this. Is there a level of exposure of the corruption and the rot gut within the system that will cause normie America now to join with us and rise up in defense of it? I thought there was. I thought COVID would be the instrument to prove this. Instead, I mean, what was one of your original COVID predictions, Aaron? I remember that I thought was brilliant at the time that we're just not going to sit home and tolerate having this level, this little decadence available to us for this long period of time, right? That eventually the American desire for decadence, debauchery um, would say, hey, you know, I, I want to go back to buying a case of beer and taking uh, the ball game this weekend much more seriously than my kids all over again, basically, is what you were saying, right? Yep. Okay. And so we, I thought at the time when you said that, that's a brilliant take. You know? That never happened, though, did it? No. No, it didn't. Weird. Then you maybe thought, all right, they're going to close the schools. And then we were in this weird position now. We're like the okay. right is trying to get the kids back into the schools, right? Against the left. That didn't do it, though, either, did it? No. Yeah, didn't. Or they're going to mask our kids, the little kids even, 
I didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, they're going to say you can't put your kids in school um, unless you drug them with a poison. That probably doesn't work. I didn't do it. No. Or, or here's the one. Okay, fine. Maybe you don't care about your kids and you use government schools as glorified daycare, but you care about yourself. And now they're telling you that you can't stay at work unless you put you take the poison yourself. That would be the moment, right? That is that is that what happened? No, that that didn't occur either. No. So in the 2020 election, we were told, well, well, the excuse was a bunch of people in suburbs and exurbs where the three of us live voted for Joe Biden over mean tweets, which did happen. OK. And and so that's that explains why we didn't get the rising up in 2020. OK. I I even believe that. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. OK. I believe that. Then we got to 2022. Trump wasn't on the ballot. Right. Trump's not on Twitter. Not even really being talked about all that much. Really. And. The Democrats, man, are just letting the freak flag fly. Right. Now they've gone from poisoning the kids to just chopping their balls off and chest binding their uh their their boobs before they even blossom right and you're thinking okay at least that's what i was thinking this time last year i'm like this is going to be like the let's roll the normies are like this ain't happening because promising things like we saw glenn youngkin surprising win in virginia right right? okay you know and you're you're thinking no all right because glenn youngkin's certainly not a DeSantian level of character correct you know so all right glenn glenn youngkin would kind of be the kind of republican that would sort of appeal to these normies right okay yeah 2022 normies show up no no they didn't and so now i based on evidence so based on evidence of of how demonic the left was clearly willing to show it was able to go i now have to adjust my tactics accordingly now i'm never abandoning my fundamentals but i'm talking like my traditionals so maybe that's mm-hmm. a way of saying things things that you don't really want to abandon unless it's really all out war i became convinced it's all out war so that the traditionals have to go. I'm not abandoning my fundamentals, but the traditionals, the open hand stuff that maybe I was uncomfortable with or I'm not glad to do, that's got to go because war is upon us, right? Yes. Okay. So I was convinced. I was in the, yes, the exposure, people will rise up crowd. We gave them two major chances and they failed us both times. But this is the debate now. Is there a level of rot gut or corruption and or corruption that we can expose on platforms like this and get out into the mainstream that the, the, the normie America will say, we have to topple these institutions doing this to us. I used to think there was. I no longer do. And that means there's only two options then. If I don't think that that is in play any longer. And, and, and those only two options are we're going to have to learn to do this the long, hard way. Um, that there's, we're not going to have some like massive uprising at that Bastille to overthrow the long march to the institutions in a 10 minute tantrum. This is going to be a, this is now going to be a generational battle. We're going to have to learn how to win and then we acquire power. We have to win to acquire power. And then once we have that power, we have to wield it effectively, but, but devastatingly. Anything other than that, if we don't do that, then Antietam it is. If you see it that way, which I just described, you're probably supporting DeSantis. If you see it as there is a level of exposure we can do that 
will make the normies rise up, you're probably supporting Trump. Is that fair? This is also, by the way, if you're a DeSantis stan, this is why a lot of times pointing out Trump's betrayal of principle is irrelevant. Because most people are not voting for Trump on any principle at all. Other than they, they're voting for him because they see him. I'm talking Republican primary voters now. I'm not talking about the general public. Um, they see him as an instrument or tool by which to expose how deep the rot gut and corruption goes. And the willingness of the system to debase itself in opposition to him. Because they would say, and I used to say this too, they would say that we have to reach a critical mass of exposure to have true reform and we're not there yet. And Trump is the path to getting us there. I just don't believe that anymore. So I'm in the other camp. And so if you do that intellectual math, you're going to probably end up not, not, it's not universal. What I just said is not an absolute. Okay. But chances are, if you do the math and it comes up, we have to do, we have to expose the system. You're probably supporting Trump. Fair. Mm -hmm. If you do the math and it comes up, I don't think the normies are ever going to join us. So we're going to have to learn how to actually govern to get them to support us the old fashioned way. You're probably supporting DeSantis. That's the major argument occurring on the right at the moment. For those who are intellectually serious and not debating cowboy boots. That's what grifters are doing. I just want to go. I'm selling because I don't think this is fundamentally at the roots of this. It's not cowardice. Uh, It's invincible ignorance, which is more related to pride. And that's way worse. Cowardice is understandable on some level all of us uh have felt that in our lives what it's like when we uh don't feel like uh we we're, we're men without chest we've lost our heart but that the level of but you pointed it out even amongst the level of pride people have i i just want to move on from 2020 that's invincible ignorance like you're not gonna let you move on why oh my god but you, you think that that's possible we're way worse. It's way worse than cowardice. Next, we go to Jerry Davis, who says within five years, cable TV will make an unlikely comeback because streaming services continue to lose upwards of one billion dollars a quarter and will never turn a profit and only one or two will survive. YouTube TV is going to lose over a billion a year just on NFL Sunday ticket. I don't know enough about the inside baseball and the details, but I'm buying because I love the show and Freud behind all of this. I mean, the, the, the too smart by half of how technology is always the next great wave of the future. I, I hope that this all comes crumbling down. I'm going to buy because I, ex- who was, who was the gentleman who sent this? Jerry. In? I'm going to buy because I like Jerry's premise, but I'm not certain it will lead to the conclusion he's talking about. All right. Jerry's premise is sound. That there just has to be a consolidation. That, see, that's exactly where I was going to go. Jerry's premise is sound, which is even before we reach a, a critical mass of people who are generationally, technologically capable or willing to live this way, to access, you know, the information superhighway, as they called it when we were kids, Todd, um, even before we reach that. This has already economically reached a point of diminishing returns. 
I mean, too many people just can't are already saying I can't afford 15 bucks a month nine times. Okay. And the programming's just not good enough. So that premise is correct. So I'm buying because I like your premise. Now your application will lead to one of two things. A, a reigniting as you, as you articulated of the old, um, the old technology, which obviously would be updated for where we are today or what you just said, Aaron consolidation has to occur. I suspect your application is wrong because I can't, I, I just don't think your generation will go back to that. It's just, no. it's not used to being, you know, plugged in. It's used to being wireless and, and immediate. And so what is more likely to happen is more serious XM operations. So if you remember the first satellite radio companies were originally rivals and they, they could not survive. There was, you know, too much programming that on one you'd like and, and, and one on another that a peop, most people just weren't buying it in general. And then they then they consolidated and now you can get everything. If you liked Howard Stern was on one and not the other, if you liked the sports was on one and not the other. Now they consolidated and it became the largest radio market in America is not New York City anymore. It's Sirius XM's audience. It's the largest radio market in the country. So I, I can foresee that. Where instead of being asked to pay 15 to 20 bucks or 30 bucks for nine different streaming services, you're asked to pay maybe 25 bucks for four. Um, I think that's more likely than returning to the old technology for Aaron's generation, because your generation is ultimately who's going to determine Jerry's question, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going back. I'm not, I'm not doing cable. Um, the, the devices that we have are fast enough and responsive enough now that streaming boxes are just as good, just as, as fast as cable. Bama conservative is next. Trump is trying to get arrested for violating his gag order to better increase his lagging fundraising numbers. I don't think there's any plan. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to sell in general when you ask me to psychoanalyze Trump or what I think he's going to do in the future. I, I mean, I, if he got arrested, I'm sure he would pivot that to his advantage. Thusly, I don't know that I'm willing to go so far as to say he is per, he is um, purposefully begging for that outcome. Um, you know, so I'd respect him a lot more, not for fundraising reason, but if he did the all in on taking on the system, show that the emperor has no clothes. Let's leave it, come and get me. Be like tip of the cap. Well, see, now you're having the conversation that we had a lot sometime d- during the Trump years, which is we actually went from um, fearing that he would be, that he would entertain some of his um, most um, mm-hmm. unrestrained impulses uh, in, in too unrestrained of a fashion to actually lamenting that he wasn't unrestrained enough. That's kind of what you mm-hmm. are saying again. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, I'd rather have him do that than sit here and whine about, you know, they're going to cheat and take it away from me in Iowa when I, then in the next breath point to the polls while he's up 50 points like that. That's useless. And I, I will just tell you, I, I, I just, that doesn't, I'm, I'm just, that, I'm just not wired to to message that level of victim. I'm just not. I, even if I thought it would be effective, I'm not going to be good at it. Um, 
I felt like a victim too much growing up and I just hated it. And I, you know, I, I will find ways to spin things that are clear L's is not that big of a deal. And, um, because I hate the feeling of victimization. I don't like peddling victimization to you. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah. You're um, not going to fit in the United States. And I, <laughs> I, I increasingly don't. You're correct. Yeah. Next up, we go to uncontexted to electric boogaloo. If presidential campaigns were BG song and uh, they've got a <laughs> mock graphic. What a great photo that is. Of the Stevies. The Stevies. Todd in the middle. Is that you on the left, Steve? I can't tell. Or is that you on the right? I, I can't tell. Anyway, if the presidential uh, campaigns were Bee Gees songs, Trump, you win again. Is who's the oh well I don't know the song so I'm not a big yeah, Bee Gees guy so is that the other side wins or you win I don't know what that means so I got to sell I don't know what that means yeah, DeSantis too much if, if it wasn't on the if it wasn't on the the uh, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack I probably don't know anything about the Bee Gees but okay okay um, you know uh, Kennedy how can you mend a broken heart how yeah can you I've heard that one yeah, yeah. okay uh, Biden staying alive <laughs> that's good I like that yeah barely uh, yeah I haven't heard any of the other ones so I figured maybe you had. That's why. I no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, next. Also, I, I like mean, the, the, I, like I mean, Dave too. taught me better than that where music's concerned. We didn't do <laughs> disco or any of that falsetto voice, any of that stuff, man. I mean, we were we were doing ACDC. OK, I mean, you know, we were we were we were rocking. Yeah, we weren't doing that. Did stuff. You do Motown. No, Dave was racist. So yeah. I got into Motown later. But yeah, Dave wasn't going to listen to Motown. Jacob Jacob Kwasny says rushing the field after a big win is good for college football, but it's becoming far too common that it's losing the iconic feeling. Totally so. I I don't agree with that at all. I just don't. In fact, I think one of the dumbest, most annoying debates I see in, in, in sports pro media, this is unsafe to do. I'm just so tired of hearing that. Okay. If anything, I, I, in spite, in, out of spite for that, I hope people just rush the field now every week. Oh, I was, uh, I was telling Todd on the way into uh, work this morning, speaking of sports bro media, on the way into, ch- uh, into church, into work this morning, I was listening to uh, Rick Neuheisel's show on Sirius XM, mm-hmm. and the co-host was talking about all of the off-the-field drama in the Big Ten this year, culminating with the Michigan fake scandal. And he affirmatively compared it to days of our lives, to which I told Todd, you would have spontaneously combusted had you had you heard that. Next, Jeff Gibson, Ohio State does not deserve to be number one in the college football playoffs at this point. I disagree. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, when you have this many undefeated teams. At this point, you're you're I can totally understand the rationale of take the team with the best resume Um, and. They're the only team I've seen that has two wins, that's undefeated, that has two wins over teams that are both in the, or that are in the top 15 of the ranking. So I don't think it's undeserving at all. I don't. I disagree. I sell. Yeah, I, I don't have a s- strong opinion about uh, this this early on, um, but this is, a you know, this, both Michigan and Georgia, and the, these are decisions, uh, you know, that are made whatever the the non-conference schedule what two years ago three years ago whenever it was determined but this you 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 haven't played anybody and that's your fault in the non-conference it's not like for it's not michigan's fault that that i don't disagree it's just michigan and 
I think the number 25 I saw, um, Air Force, they're the only two teams in the top 25 that came out that haven't played anybody in the top 25. Now, in the in the conference season, that's not Michigan's fault. That is absolutely Michigan's fault and any other team's fault if they choose not to play anybody. If you are a national champion caliber program, which Michigan is, and you choose not to play somebody, when it comes around to the, this time, that's a, that's a you problem. I think Georgia. I don't think Georgia has yet either. I, like, I no, I agree. Yeah. I just I no, no I, I agree. But I think actually Georgia's strength of schedule is rated worse than Michigan's. But if you look at both Georgia and Michigan schedules. They're going to play the teams in November that you want to see them play. That's another reason I'm not concerned about it. You'll get answers to these questions, you know? So, and in fact, I will tell you, this is a Michigan fan. I love seeing Ohio State number one. And I was actually rooting last night that they were going to drop us out of the top four. I oh. just, I, I would have loved to have seen, I was rooting for it. I want to pile on all the disrespect, all the you're not any good. I want, I want all that. I want it all. I want, a, want, I want a team that has won 21 straight games against Big Ten foes. Okay, and it's winning so comfortably, you're worried about get them getting soft. I want them called cheaters. I want them called doubters. I want them being told your schedule sucks, you're soft. I want it all. I was disappointed to see we were rated third. Now, that's for me as a fan, but as an analyst, I have no problem at all with ranking Ohio State number one. I mean, I, I would have had him number two. So, I mean, what's the, it's not that much of a difference. Next up, Matthew H. says, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band isn't the Beatles' greatest album. It's not even in the top five. Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, The White Album, and Let It Be are all better albums. All right, so I'm, I'm going to sell on this. I mean, I, I think you, I'm fine with the argument it's not their best album. I mean, I, I could make a case, an album of largely made up of songs that didn't make Sergeant Pepper's um, Magical Mystery Tour might be better. Okay, but to say that the most influential album in maybe the history of pop music changed the entire genre, changed everything, is not even among their top five greatest albums. I I think that's going way too far, way too far. So I have to sell. Um, Okay, I mean, there's there's just nothing but great albums to choose from. So, okay, bye. Right. That's another good point. Yeah. Next up, B-Rob says... By the way, hold on one second. You know what I heard yesterday? So uh, driving uh, around Michigan on the, uh, on the way to the airport Sunday, um, one of the local stations was playing the original Casey Kasem's American Top 40 from this weekend in 1980. And so Amy and I were going to kick listening to this. It was the original broadcast. And, and the trivia question was, which album snapped the Beatles streak of all their albums going to number one on the Billboard chart? And you know what it was? So um, when they had the they had the number one album in America with the white album and and d- while the white album was still number one, the album, the, the soundtrack album for the movie Yellow Submarine came out and it could only get as high as number two because it could <laughs> knock the white album out of number one. Hmm. So the Beatles were the were, were who uh, Casey was Casey was pointing out the Beatles were the reason were, was the were the band that actually snapped their streak of con, their own streak of consecutive number one albums. Yeah, that is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Next, B Rob says Iowa Hawkeye football is consistently the most overrated program in the country. I don't know how I can possibly say this, guys. I mean, it, you're talking about a team that barely recruits among the top forty programs in the country and is consistently good. Um. <laughs> I mean, what still won nine games last year, Aaron? Correct. Mm. Won ten the year before. Yeah. I just I don't agree with that at all. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I think the opposite is true. Um, if anything, they're among the most underrated, 
And what will be fascinating to see when Kirk moves on, and I think we're probably closer to that moment than maybe people think, is when there's no more divisions now, and it's going to be harder to go eight and four, nine and three than it was before. And and then if you do, it doesn't mean anything because you're nowhere near competing for the Big Ten championship. You know, Ferentz, that, that, that doesn't completely absolve Kirk of the mismanagement of the offense. I mean, uh, there's understanding who you are as an identity, but then there's there's just having an offense that is just, you know, vomit, vomitous. And this is this is really, that's embarrassing what they've allowed to happen to that offense. But on a meta level, Kirk has said something the last few years that I'm not sure Iowa fans have heard or want to hear. You have to know who you are if you're Iowa. You have to know who you are. And it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see, you know, um, even for Michigan after Lloyd Carr retired. Well, let's bring in this hotshot coach with this newfangled offense and let's, let's be who we're not. You have to, everybody kind of needs to know who they are, you know, and I will be fascinated to see what happens with Iowa and a lot of those those teams when the competition level in this league and the depth in this league gets gets the ante gets up considerably. Likewise, I'm going to be fascinated to see what like Oklahoma fans going to think. Hey, cool, you're getting 90 million a year now from the SEC. You're finishing fifth in the league every year. Oklahoma fan in four, five, six years going to be okay finishing fifth in the SEC every year. Probably not. You know what I'm saying? Like the the whole we're making more money than ever before talking point matters now until you're finishing fourth, fifth, or sixth in the SEC every year, then I'm here for it. And that'll be these are things that the new era I think are gonna are gonna make to be fascinating uh observations to come. Uh, you know what I think of, about Iowa when Aaron and I have our back and forth, but this I, the opposite is true. It is one of the most underrated programs in the entire country we had this uh, up until the last three years of michigan football we uh, if you had put the the records uh of michigan wisconsin and iowa uh together from the time of michigan's last national championship until three years ago i think you'd have a hard time picking blindly which one was which uh, mm-hmm. Iowa is is a vastly you'd have you, it's the blue bloods like you could have said this five years ago about Michigan you can't say that anymore but right now you'd have to under the most underrated programs in the country are like Texas Nebraska um, you know those are the the most overrated uh, programs uh, in the country because they they're they're coasting on fumes. Mm-hmm. Next up, we go to Eric McCoy. Not having an opinion, mostly because I don't care, is not a dude code violation. However, not making a decision is a dude code violation. Totally agree. Bye. Depends on the topic. Yeah, well, I'm assuming if you don't care, it's not a worthwhile topic to have an opinion on. Oh, I'm assuming that that's what it means. This is the invincible ignorance I'm talking about. There's all kinds of topics that a bunch of grown men with responsible jobs and they're not stupid. Like, I just I just don't care about that in. Yet they'll care greatly Fair. about their, Fair. their... I'm going to give the guy who submitted this the benefit of the doubt because he's trying to draw, I think, your distinction. There are some things that are just not worthy of me having an opinion on. That's not the same as not okay. making a decision. So I'm assuming he's a dude. I'm assuming he's, he's a man after Todd Erzin's own heart. Okay? So in that assumption, 
All right. It's the holiday season, brother. Let's assume the best of people. (laughs) (laughs) Who who are you? That side glance. Not even Christmas does that to you. It's the holiday season. Let's assume the best. I I think he meant this in the way, in the context that you would probably make this statement. To be clear, it's November 1st. And Merry Christmas. Luann Swanson says, it's a positive thing. Most of us have never heard of Mike Johnson. It means he's not a glory hound or always looking for the nearest camera, therefore not self-aggrandizing. This is very possible, so I'll buy. It's very possible. You know, every day I I see something I really like and something I really don't, you know? So I don't know. It's very possible. That's why I'm looking forward to November November 18th. We're going to get an answer on November the 18th. Average guy, James, says people will come to their senses and elect Ron DeSantis for president. I think the Reagan Democrats are going to join the Republicans and get it done. Country is falling apart. Got me missing Bill Clinton. I think if we were talking about a general election, this would be true. I don't think the group you're talking about, though, if Ron wins, they, th- that group won't have any standing about winning this primary. And so that's why I will sell. Um, but I think your rationale about a general election is true. I just don't think that applies in the yeah, election I'm, we're having right now. I'm selling. All right, we got, we got more? We do. All right, we'll get to those in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace for Blaze TV subscribers who can now take advantage of the brand new Blaze News as well. Throw that all in, both of them, for just 7 bucks a month. Don't miss it. Ad-free. Daniel Horowitz will join us next. Winter is almost here. Somebody punched me for saying that. That can also mean, though, as things get cooler, struggling with the right temperature when you sleep. I recently found a way to stay at the perfect temp all night long. And it's our friends over at Miracle Made. Their silver-infused bed sheets inspired by NASA are outstanding. You won't wake up either being too hot or too cold. They were phenomenal when we had some record heat in the Midwest this summer. They've been great as the weather's gotten cold now here in the middle of fall. Uh, and by the way, they're really, really comfy. I mean, I, they're, they just feel good to sleep in as well. Um, self-cleaning. Uh, That same silver-infused fabric helps to prevent about 99% of bacteria out there, too. Save over 40%, and if you use our promo code DACE at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20% as well. And Miracle is so confident in this product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep now with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash DACE. These are outstanding. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. Use the code Dace to claim your three free towels and save well over 40% off. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. Again, TryMiracle.com slash Dace. All right, let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you again, my friend. How you be? We're doing all right. Welcome to the Jihad. Indeed. Let's begin here domestically. I want to make sure I'm giving my audience accurate information. My understanding, there, there's, a, there's a lot of skepticism, scrutiny, vetting, kvetching about Mike Johnson as speaker. You know, you and I talked about him last week. How is it possible? I've never heard of this guy until 72 hours before he became speaker. I asked my buddy Bob Vanderplatz sitting to my right here earlier this week, who's as well connected as anybody I know in Christian conservative circles across the country, even better connected than I am. 
knew nothing about him before he became speaker, right? And so there's been a lot of discussion. You know, every day goes by, there's something I like, there's something I'm like, eh, okay. But from my understanding, November 18th is really D-Day that we're going to find out, right? November 17th is the budget deadline. Nothing will happen next year with the election. They're all going to try to get the hell out of there as many times as possible to go out and campaign. So this is really, between now and November the 17th, is really the one opportunity that they have to exert any form of leverage over the system or the process whatsoever. And given that he is speaker of the body where all appropriations begin, that means that the clock is kind of ticking on him. Am I wrong? You know, Steve, I'm not seeing such an appetite to have this fight, but I'm going to reserve judgment until that point. You're absolutely right. They're going to talk about the hires, the personnel, um, the way the house is run, uh, some of the political operations like the congressional leadership fund, Uh, The fact that he's keeping it, but then it's a question whether they'll get involved in primaries or not. Look, there's one thing that matters. We are living through a time of pure economic security and cultural hell. We also have a uh, a political opponents that are extremely dangerous, extremely radical, unpopular. And in the case of the president, uh, extremely inarticulate, to say the least. So you'll never have a more auspicious but also uh, opportune time for a budget showdown, a government funding showdown, a government shutdown fight. Everything boils down to that. Everything else is BS. Pick your issue, whether it's the open border invasion, whether it's the Pfizer genocide, whether it's the castration, whether it's destroying our energy and the Green New Deal and inflation, whether it's funding Hamas and Hezbollah, there's got to be something that they're willing to fight on. Okay, pick one of those and show us that you will fight in a meaningful way on something. So, for example, this maneuver that Speaker Johnson initiated uh, earlier this week to separate funding for um, Israel from Ukraine So we can have a debate about whether we should be funding either one. But at the very least, we are separating the two because they're not really the same issue. The Biden administration has already indicated it will veto that. And he wants to do this by uh, taking away funds, uh, divert funds from uh, Biden's enlargement of the IRS and have that go in the Israeli aid package. The Biden administration says it will veto any attempt to do that. So then what leverage does Speaker Johnson have to do anything other than any, uh, threaten any form of a government shutdown? It, it, we're basically just doing yep. blogs, right? We're just no, no, we're just, no. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, this is standalone legislation that you need all three branches to pass. But then Biden needs, in order to fund all the other operations of the Fourth Reich government, he needs the funding bill uh, November 18th at midnight. And that's their leverage. That That's where they could say, we're not funding the IRS jihad against America. We're defunding the jihad. We're defunding um, all of the you know pro-Palestinian stuff. And, and look, the other thing it takes is that they have to show that they're willing to shoot the hostage. What what they cannot do is show Biden that the actual just weapons to Israel is so important that ultimately they'll give Biden anything for it. They have to be willing to walk away from it and then in the budget bill focus primarily on the negatives um, because Israel is much like the border where it's not a funding problem, it's a policy problem. Uh, so. 
in fact, I would oppose giving DHS another $30 billion because that's not going to go towards, you know, sending the military to fight the cartels. It's going to go towards catch and release and doing it more effectively, more efficiently and, and in higher numbers. And likewise with Israel, you know, I'm a little bit dubious about sending them weapons, but then having Biden use that to say, you can't fight the Gaza mm -hmm. war in any way that you're going to win it without, uh, you know, substantial casualties to the IDF. Oh, and by the way, you better not do anything to Hezbollah in the north. Oh, and by the way, you better allow in aid to uh, our uh, our Palestinian, uh, our so-called Palestinian friends. That's what he's doing now. So that money largely is going towards the current policies that, you know, if I were Mike Johnson, I would make this more about A, defunding Israel's enemies and B, unwinding Biden's uh, policies where he's uh, doing kind of to Israel's borders what he what he did to our border rather than so much just neoconize, Ukrainize everything. Republicans and I think genuinely Republicans are coming from a good position here. And I think they understand the sense of morality, good versus evil here. But they have this one dimension of just throw money at, at, at a problem. And I, I would much Especially rather when scenario, that money is going to Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. Yeah. So in other words, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon will get their money with the contracts. But Israel sure as heck won't be able to use mm -hmm. a lot of the weaponry. And as we're seeing now, they lost 15 soldiers um, yesterday largely because they're not using enough of those weapons liberally enough to um, create a buffer zone of RPG and anti-tank fire that won't be able to affect their their infantry. And it's it's really a shame. And, and let's not forget that uh, Israel lost one war in their 70 year history, and that is a 2006 war with Hezbollah. And the reason they lost it is because Bush and that B.I., uh, Condoleezza Rice, pulled the plug on their operation right when their infantry was in the most precarious situation. And that's my concern right now. So I think Mike Johnson obviously has a biblical worldview on Israel, and I agree with it and I appreciate it. But I think they need to be briefed on the broader policy implications of what the Biden admin is doing, not so much um, have a bidding war on, on, on a monetary value of weapons. All right. You've, you've invoked what's going on, the war in Gaza, now a few times. Let's go there next. What is your view of what's going on there now? What's going on there now is Judea, Samaria, and Gaza are the linchpin of the fight for Western civilization. And it's not just because that is the first theater of jihad and then everything expands out from there. Suicide bombing was originated there, expanded out. A vehicular jihad is now in the United States as well. Um, so this sort of unleashing of savages into into uh, suburban type of neighborhoods, whether it's Hamas or BLM Antifa doing that, that is the next play for all, all that's evil. It needs to be shut down. We have shown since really World War II that in the West, we don't have the guts. Mm -hmm. We don't have the morality to fight and win wars. Okay, we, we don't have that. And the thought is that you have to suffer as many casualties as the other side. It's just kind of like a one-to-one -one ratio. Otherwise, you're not allowed to do it. 
So Israel would suffer a suicide bombing, 10, 20, 30 people killed. They got 1,400 killed, which per scale is like 40, 50,000 uh, Americans. And we all thought that would be enough, but evidently it's not. And they're still fighting a politically correct war, and the Biden admin is, is ensuring they are. If they cannot wipe Hamas off the face of the map, we are done in the West. We are completely done. Because that means that any other similar enemy that would arise in other Western countries, that is ultimately how we're going to fight the war. Hmm. How optimistic are you? In, um, in the Israeli, in the, in the resolve of the Israeli leadership. Netanyahu has a certain Trumpian instincts of talking a big game for many, many years. Um, is there, we could actually follow through this time. <sighs> Man, Steve, that's that's tough because there's two things that are at an impasse. On the one hand, the Israeli people will not and, and that includes the left there now. Um, the left is like the right. Uh, they will not uh, settle for anything less than than full victory. Uh, the problem is the Biden administration is doing everything in its power to ensure that they do not achieve that. Um and and therein lies the problem. And, and and that's why I have a little bit of a contrarian view on foreign aid to Israel. Uh, in general, I think we need to wind down foreign aid across the board, but also it, it comes at a huge cost. The State Department is, is uh, run by the Muslim Brotherhood and is saturated with Iranian spies, and it's just used to basically control them and get them to commit suicide. And I, I think if I were them, I would find a way to do without it and uh, and chart my own path. And I think, again, Republicans, and, and they truly are united on Israel, and I know some on the right resent that they seem to care more about Israel's border than our borders, and I, I get that. Uh, but, but you know, it still is the right thing to do in this theater. If they want to give Israel support, I think it's the diplomatic support and completely assailing Biden's policies that would be more helpful than even money. Um, Biden, The Biden administration is a lot more dangerous than Ilan Omer and the the Jihad squad, because they're open about what they want to do. The Biden administration has the same goals or at least the same outcomes, but they're bear hugging Israel into a full Nelson. And uh, it's just extremely dangerous. And, and Steve, make no mistake about it. Our troops that are being sent to the theater on the ships, which should not be there, are not there to help Israel. You know why they're there. They're there to impose a ceasefire by being collateral damage. Um, so, you know, Israel, you got to turn down the temperature because we have assets at play here. That's why he's sending them there. It's extremely insidious. Um, I don't think people understand the depths of evil of this administration. The same admin that killed millions of people around the world with the Pfizer uh, gene juice, the biomedical jihad, it is saturated with literal Iranian spies. I mean, the chief of staff to the assistant uh, secretary of DOD for special operations is an Iranian spy, and I don't know if she's been put on leave yet hmm. since that was exposed. The one who hired her was. I mean, this is really bad. The Biden administration supports Hamas. Make no mistake about that. We have Hamas in America. We have the Muslim Brotherhood. We have CARE, which is, which is a fundraiser for Hamas. We got some serious problems here, and we need to find some moral fortitude and clarity and we need some leadership. There is one man providing that balance between the Tucker sort of pro-Palestinian crap and uh, this, you know, Nikki Haley neocon stuff. A minimalist approach, getting our assets 
out of the Middle East and focusing on our border actually is pro-Israel and America first at the same time. Let Israel take care of the evil there. Let us take care of the evil in our hemisphere. And that's just the way it is. Good to see you, brother. Thank you very much, as always. All right. Take care. See you later. You bet. Daniel, brought to you by our friends over at Preborn, the outstanding pro-life ministry. That is a question for you. Would you spend 28 bucks to have an 80% chance to save a human life? And they're gambling that a lot of you would answer yes in this audience. And did you know that's all an ultrasound cost preborn? 28 bucks to get an ultrasound in front of a mother so that she can both see and hear her baby and, and, and the heartbeat and feel it and be convicted and not follow through with her temptation to go ahead and kill her child. 80% of the time when that mom hears that heartbeat, she doesn't follow through. And those ultrasounds, they only cost 28 bucks. But the battle doesn't end there. Those moms still need help, and so they provide prenatal, postnatal, postnatal aid and counseling as well. All of that is free of charge, too, provided they have enough tax-deductible donations from people like us in this audience. If you would like to make one, go to preborn.com slash Steve. Maybe the best 28 bucks you've ever spent. Maybe you can do more. Preborn.com slash Steve is where you want to go, or you can dial pound 250 on your mobile phone, say the keyword baby, or just go to preborn.com slash Steve. All right, reactions to the conversation we just had with Daniel Horowitz. Thoughts? Yeah, he's absolutely right about if if Israel is ends up pulling its punches on this thing, what that means for the rest the rest of the uh, West. Um, he's of course correct. Uh, listen, uh, amongst other things, civil is anything that claims to be civilization. It must vanquish evil. It must know what evil is, A, and B, it must vanquish it. If you asked your average citizen of all stripes, name your top three to top five hallmarks of civilization, it would be crickets on that front. That is why we fail. We don't understand the obligations of citizenry and or civilization. Full stop. You don't, you don't get to make that up. There are things you must do. We aren't willing to do them any longer. Whatever we are, we aren't civilization. We're, we're Will Ferrell in old school. We're going streaking. That's what we are. Hmm. That point you just made, if you are a real civilization, you must vanquish evil. That is exceedingly well said. Aaron. Man, I. every ounce of me, when, when Daniel has hesitation that that the Israelis are going to do what needs to be done. Every ounce of me wants to push back on that. I can't imagine seeing what Hamas did, the unspeakable evil that they perpetrated back in the early part of October. I can't imagine the Israelis doing the COVID shrug that we talked about in the first hour of the show. I can't imagine the Israelis granting any amount of legitimacy to a government that doesn't do what needs to be done here, which is the complete obliteration of Hamas. But then I realized the Israeli people were locked down the worst. Hmm. How many jabs and boosters were required in that country? I don't know, man. Answers to that question, I don't think any of them are probably what we want to hear. I mean, we, we turned 9-11 into treating every American pa- uh, plane passenger as a potential terrorist and uh, wild excursions into empire building. So ruining moments like this, we've all lived through it, can be done. Yeah. John 317.